6, verse 25. And we'll go ahead and pray and then read our portion of Scripture this morning. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for being, Lord, just such a loving and gracious God. And Lord, we, we thank you for your power, your might, your majesty. And Lord, we're asking that you would remind us of your goodness this morning, Lord. Remind us of your power. Remind us of your faithfulness to each and every one of us throughout our lives, God. Would you remind us of those things? And Lord, as we go through your word, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would be preparing our hearts, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word this morning. And Lord, if anyone here does not know you, if anyone here is anxious and fearful of their eternal state, we pray that this morning they would cry out to you, that today would be that day of salvation. Lord, we continue to pray for Joe, Lord, for him, for the family. May you just be comforting him, Lord, and as the different waves of difficulty and sadness and mourning come, Lord, we pray that you'd continue to sustain him and the rest of the family. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith! Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We come to a portion of Scripture that perhaps many of us are familiar with. Maybe we didn't want to hear it this morning because we're worried or anxious. But it's comforting to know that for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been telling his followers the same thing. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And if believers 2,000 years ago needed to hear this command, how much more do we this morning need to hear the command to not worry? Do not worry. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America says anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. It's affecting over 40 million adults. 
19% of our population, 18 and older each year, struggle with anxiety. More Americans suffer from anxiety in proportion to national population than any other country in the world. An estimated 31.9% of adolescents had any anxiety disorder. The prevalence of any anxiety disorder among those 18 and younger was higher for females, 38% of females, than it was for males, 26% of males. It's the same numbers for those 18 and over. Women struggle with anxiety more than men do. Many people with anxiety disorder also have co-occurring disorders or physical illness, which can make their symptoms worse and recovery even more difficult. People with anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for, psych for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. Annually, $42 billion is spent on anxiety-related disorders. Maybe you weren't worried or anxious this morning, and now all of a sudden you are. Maybe I'm a part of that 19% and I didn't know it. Maybe I'm a part of that 30% and I didn't know it. And yet our Father tells us, do not worry about your life. Do not worry. Verse 25 begins with that word, therefore. And anyone who's familiar with God's word, any student of the Bible knows that whenever we see the word therefore, we should look to the couple verses before to see why is this therefore here. That word therefore, you can say in view of this or in light of this, I say to you, do not worry about your life. So back in verse 16 through 18, Jesus was telling us to not be concerned with what people think about us, but to be concerned with what our Father sees of our lives in the secret place. That if we are living a life that is not concerned about what people think, and living a life that's just consumed with what does my Heavenly Father know about me, we will be less prone to worrying and being anxious. In verse 19 through 21, he tells us to not lay up our treasures only here on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal, but instead to put our treasures in heaven where there's no thieves, there's no moths, and there's no rust. That if we are putting our treasure in heaven, we don't have to worry or be anxious that anyone is going to take or steal or destroy our treasures. How many of us invest in worldly treasures only to have them destroyed shortly thereafter? How many people, they invested in, perhaps you invested in the pandemic or in difficulties, price of meat going up and down, and you invested, you spent a bunch of money on Wagyu steak, and you stocked up your freezer, and then you left out of town for a weekend, and you got home, and the power was out. And now your treasure just got spoiled. Your treasure became maggot food, right? How many of us, we spend tons of money on clothing, and you walk through a door frame, your clothing gets snagged, and what do you hear? There went that treasure. You spend all your money buying those Jordan 1s, those Nike SBs, whatever shoes you wanted, and then someone steps right on your foot. Treasure destroyed, right? Anxiety and fear present and in our lives. If our treasures are in heaven, we don't have to worry. 
They're going to be perfect. They're going to be protected. In verse 22 and 23, we see there that if our eye is focused on one singular treasure, our whole life is going to be filled with light and with godliness. We won't have to be consumed with darkness. And finally, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if God is the God in which we are serving, we can trust and rely on him, and we ought not to worry about our lives. In view of our treasures being in heaven and serving the Almighty God, we are commanded to not worry about life. It's a command here that Jesus is giving us. And this command is going to pop up three times in this short paragraph. In verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34, Jesus will repeat to us, Take no thought. Do not worry. Be not anxious. We have to be careful not going to an extreme. Jesus is in no way saying, do not plan, or do not be wise, or do not save. All over the book of Proverbs, it speaks of being wise and planning and saving for tomorrow. Jesus, all through the Gospels, he tells us to be wise stewards of our time, our money, and the talents that he's given us. G. Campbell Morgan, he says, he does not hint for a single moment that we are to be careless That against which he charged the disciples and still charges us is taking care. The care which means fretting, worrying, restlessness, feverishness, or perhaps better than all, in the most simple terms, anxiety. Be not anxious. And just as covetousness is listed as a sin for us a few paragraphs earlier, Anxiety and worrying and worrying is a sin in the same way. And our world today looks at anxiety and worry in a different category. We have to take the biblical perspective on every area of our life. And if we are fearful, if we are constantly worrying, if we're, fear, if we're filled with anxiety, it's sinful. And we need to confess those sins to the Lord. Jesus tells us, don't be worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? It sounds like many of us after an 11 o'clock service. Hey, where are we going to go eat today? Where are we going to go drink? And yet Jesus tells us, hey, don't worry about that. Don't be consumed with these earthly things. Food, drinks, and clothing should not absorb all of our attention because we've learned where our focus is, there lies our treasure. And where our treasure is, there's where our heart's going to be. And where our treasure and our heart is, our God is usually there as well. So our concern is better spent on eternal things than just being anxious about food, drink, and clothing. And so much of our world today... So many magazines, those who still read magazines, I don't know who reads magazines except for waiting rooms, right? But so much of social media, so much of YouTube, it's videos on how to cook or this super expensive food. Clothing, this, that, this drop of clothing that's about to come out or this thing that's going to happen. How to make this specific drink, what drink goes with this specific food. So much of our world today in the excess of America is all focused on food, drink, 
and clothing. And just as it's sinful to be covetous, to serve mammon and love money, it is sinful to be anxious, to trust in yourself and have self-reliance and love this present world. Both are equally sinful. Charles Spurgeon says, You cannot say that Jesus Christ ever troubled his head about what he should eat or what he should drink. His meat and his drink consisted in doing his Father's will. Be not anxious for your life, thought we may take, but anxious, burdensome care we must not know. Our most pressing bodily wants are not to engross our minds. Our life is more important than the food we eat or the clothes we wear. God who gives us life will give us bread and raiment. We should much more care about how we live than how we eat. The spiritual should go before the bodily, the eternal before the temporal. What we wear is of very small importance compared with what we are. Therefore, let us give our chief care to that which is chief. Yea, our sole thought to the one all-absorbing object of all true life, the glory of God. Our whole focus ought to be on glorifying God. And it's difficult if we're honest because as Christians, and if I could be honest, especially as a pastor, there's not many things I can look forward to in this life besides food and coffee. I can't look forward to this wine or this drink or this scotch. And all of that is out of my category. I can't mess with that till I get to heaven. So here Jesus is saying, don't be worried about food. Don't be anxious about a drink. And if you're ordering a drink at a coffee shop, each drink is five to ten bucks, you can get anxious. I don't want to make the wrong decision and not drink this thing. It's ten bucks. What should I be doing here? And yet Jesus says, don't be anxious. And if we're honest, our country downplays anxiety and worry so much. They say, hey, it's not an actual sin. It's just something with your mental health. It's the same with sexual sin. You're just born this way. Our nation is trying to change the focus that it truly is our own problem and our own decision making. We play down the sins of anxiety and worry, and yet they are no different than drunkenness and, and adultery. Warren Wiersbe tells us worry is the greatest thief of joy. Charles Spurgeon, our anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. When we're constantly worrying, we, we feel depleted. We can feel exhausted, and yet we haven't done anything with our day. We know that in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus tells us, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy and somehow many believers allow the enemy to run rampant, stealing and killing and destroying their joy and their strength. Because they give him full access to their mind, thinking that it's not a sin. But we're allowing him to steal, to kill and destroy. Many are losing out on living life. On enjoying life, the people around them, the children growing up, the good things that we have today because we're so consumed with the what-ifs. So consumed with the what-ifs. We've gotten to the point where we really don't think worry and anxiety is a sin like our covetousness. 
We need to confess our sins and ask forgiveness for our sins. And worry and anxiety are just like any other sin. We need to come boldly before the throne of grace, apologize and ask forgiveness for our worry and anxiety. It's so interesting. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, worry is defined, I'll give you the full definition here. It's defined as to afflict with mental distress or agitation, to make anxious. The second definition is to harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat. It's to share or pull with the teeth. It's to touch or disturb disturb something repeatedly. To change the position of or adjust by repeated pushing or hauling. It's to assail with rough or aggressive attack or torment. It's to subject to persistent or nagging attention and effort. It's taken from a word in the British dialect where we get our word choke or strangle. And if someone was choking or strangling your loved one, I think you would think it was a big deal. And yet when a loved one says that they're anxious or they're stressing out or they're worried, we just think, "Eh, no different. It's just what everybody goes through. And yet this is exactly what worry does to our joy. It chokes it out. It strangles our joy because our focus is on the wrong thing. A few small quotes here that describe worry. Worrying gives a small thing a big shadow. Worrying is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. Worrying over tomorrow pulls shadows over today's sunshine. Worry is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Worrying is an indication that we think God cannot look after us. Worrying is putting question marks where God has put periods. Worry is an intrusion into God's providence. Worry is a guest admitted which quickly turns into a master. Worrying is practical atheism and an affront to God. You see, family, when we worry and when we're anxious, we are saying, God, I don't know if you can really take care of me. God, I don't know if you could really deal with this problem. I could deal with it if only I had this, that, or the third. Then I would be relaxed. God, I don't know if you can handle this type of situation. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Probably one of the most famous portions of Scripture on anxiety. And we should thank the Lord our God. There are many husbands, if we're honest here, we're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So when our wife tells us that she's worried or anxious, we give her the great nugget of wisdom. And we just tell her, don't worry. <laughs> Honey, I'm worried and stressed. Ah, don't worry. Hey, just don't worry. Why didn't I think of that? You're so wise, honey. Thank God, our Lord, Jesus, being the perfect groom, he doesn't just tell us, hey, don't worry. He gives us the medicine. He gives us the antidote so that we would stop worrying. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul commands the Philippians, be anxious for nothing. 
It's all of the above there. There is nothing that we are truly allowed by God to be anxious for. We are commanded to be anxious for nothing. But instead of being anxious in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So instead of just holding on to our anxiety, what Paul tells us to do is to pray. To take those anxious thoughts and give them to the Lord. To instead of being filled with anxiety and fear and worry, begin to think about all the things that we ought to be grateful for and thankful for. And then instead of holding on to the anxiety, let those requests be made known to God. Instead of holding on to the worry and the anxiety, ask God. Tell God what you're worried about, what you're concerned with. In Psalm 139, David asks God to search his heart and also to search his anxieties to reveal the wickedness within him. Psalm 139 verse 23, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me. In the way everlasting. David saw anxieties held within our heart as a wicked act. Peter tells us that pride keeps all of our cares to ourselves. But God resists those who are prideful and holding on to their worries and cares. Humility, on the other hand, casts all of our cares upon him, knowing and trusting that God cares for us. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5, it tells us, likewise you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let's, stomp, let's turn to Psalm 37. Let's turn to Psalm 37. And perhaps worrying and anxiety and fear is the sin which you struggle with. It's the sin that keeps knocking on your door. And each of us, our flesh... Usually we're built up with a different sin that is our weak point. For some it's anger. Others it's lust. For some it's worry, anxiety. Others it's drunkenness or or drugs. There are many sins and each of us, we should know where our weaknesses lie so that we'd be even stronger in the Lord and give no room for those weaknesses to grow or to give the enemy any foothold on those weaknesses. Psalm 37, verse 1 through 7, we're given another antidote here. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. We're coming into another election year. I encourage you, take verse 1 and write it right over your television. 
Because we're going to need to be reminded of it all year long. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Instead of trusting in your own self-reliance, trust in the Lord. Instead of doing nothing and just allowing the wheels of your mind to spin, go and do good. Go and do something. Go be about your father's business and feed on his faithfulness. Verse 4, delight yourselves also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. We don't like that word patience often. When you walk into a restaurant, they say, hey, I need you to be patient. There's a long wait. What do most of us say? Peace. I'm not going to wait here. I'm going to go find somewhere else that there's a shorter wait where my patience is tested a bit less. We continue in Psalm 37, verse 18 and 19. It says, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Finally, verse 25 tells us, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. So next time you deal with anxiety, fear, depression, read through Psalm 37. Read through Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. So husbands, next time your wife says that she's worried, don't just say, oh, honey, don't worry about it. Instead, encourage her. Instead, remind her that the prescription for worry is to pray and praise the God that cares for us. Remind yourself to stir yourself up with thanksgiving for all that God has done for you in the past. And instead of holding on to your worry, just make those requests known to God and allow the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind. The difficulty of teaching through something like fear and anxiety and worry is usually you get tested in it. Uh, we're going on a trip to Israel on Thursday, and for whatever reason, the passport agency has not decided to send my wife's passport yet. So it's a big test. It's a big test. Hey, are we going to be fearful? Are we going to be anxious? And I've failed the test many of times just telling Amanda, don't worry. Don't worry. Instead of doing the biblical prescription and saying, hey, let's take time to pray. Let's take time to praise. Let's take time to be thankful and trust the Lord our God. And hey, if you're a soup in the passport agency and you want to help me up, we'll talk after service. <laughs> but the Lord tells us to stir ourselves up with thanksgiving. For many of the parents here, the moment we hear one of our kids is sick, do we not get filled with fear and anxiety? And yet, is it the first time they've been sick? 
No, they've been sick once a month for the last eight years. And yet they get sick, and do we turn to the Lord? No, we turn to WebMD, right? And for whatever reason, no matter what you put in WebMD, it always tells you the same thing. Cancer, death, the end. Whatever it is. I have a mild earache. Yeah, you have a tumor in your brain. That's what's happening. No matter what the case is, instead of turning to knowledge and technology, we should be quicker to turn to the Lord. Afterwards, be wise. God's given us doctors and medicine for a reason. Life expectancy has gone from 55 to 85 for a reason. However, first and foremost, go to the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Instead of just hunkering down at home, what a lie from the last three years. Instead of just hunkering down at home and doing nothing, trust in God and go out and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to God and trust in Him. Finally, rest and rely in God and wait patiently for Him. Jesus gives us yet another antidote for worry and anxiety back in Matthew 6, verse 26. If you struggle with anxiety and worry, Jesus commands you to become a bird watcher. He's saying, hey, go out there, buy your binoculars, get your little notebook, and start checking out the birds. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He commands us to become bird watchers. For the past couple years, my kids have been begging for a bird feeder. And then finally, this last Christmas, we bought them one by the bird feeder, by the bird seed, and then we sit out there the first day, not a single bird. And quickly you realize why it's called a bird brain, because birds are not that smart. A month out, still free food sitting out there, no birds. Six months out, free food out there, no birds. It's not till a year later that the birds started appearing. And yet, with their small brains, you don't see any of them struggling with anxiety or fear or depression. They're just out there doing their thing, fighting each other, getting food. Some of them aren't smart enough to actually get in the bird feeder, so they just wait for the other birds to throw it down. And yet, God cares for them. They're not that smart, and God cares for them, and God feeds them. Are we not of more value to God than the birds and those bird brains? It was one thing that changed my life during the season of COVID. So much stress, so much anxiety for my family's life, for my kids' life, then having to decide for the church, first year being a pastor. And I'll never forget the first day we said, you know what, let's just go out for a walk. Let's leave the phones in the house and let's go out for a walk. And away from the news, away from the death counter telling you who's dying each and every second, you walk outside and you see how big our world is. And yet as big as our world is, it's tiny within our universe. And yet how big our universe is, it's tiny in the grand scheme of how big and powerful our Heavenly Father is. I encourage you, instead of just being focused on your fear, your anxiety, your worries, take a step out of it, go out into nature and be reminded how great your Heavenly Father truly is. 
Now in hurricane season, we're going to see it. Any storm out in Africa, right away on the news, 24-7. Got to buy all the water, buy all the toilet paper, buy all the things you don't really need. But buy everything because it's going to help your fear and anxiety. Go outside and as God takes care of the birds and even feeds the birds, he's going to take care of us. There's no bird farmers, there's no bird grocery stores, there's no bird toilet paper, right? And yet God cares for them and protects them. David Guzik, he says, hey, birds don't worry, but they go to work. Birds don't just sit with their mouths open expecting God to fill them. And there's a great antidote for us. Many people worry and have anxiety, and yet they do nothing about their situation. Instead of just worrying and doing nothing, hey, go to work, but trust in the Lord your God. Warren Wiersbe, all of nature depends on God, and God never fails only mortal man depends on money, and money always fails. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus tells us, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. That's a great biblical lesson. If you have kids and they see a dead bird on the ground, they usually freak out, what's going on? You can remind them, hey, this happened and our Heavenly Father knows of it. How much more does He care of us? How much more does God love us than the birds of the air? Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 tells us how much He cares about us. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God did not hold back the absolute best that he had to offer, how dare we worry that we're not going to have food on the table or drink or clothing? Jesus' antidote for worry and anxiety here is to focus on the goodness of God. Just to fill our time and our mind contemplating God's goodness. And if we fill our time and our energy on focusing on God's goodness, you won't, much, you won't have much time and space to fill your mind with anxiety and worry. Focus on the goodness of God. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Here in the context, truly what Jesus is saying is, by worrying, how can you add one hour to your life? If you're here and you're short and you're kind of bummed out about that, I'm sorry, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's telling us worrying does not help our situation. It only makes it worse. Is that a surprise to any of us? We cannot add one inch to our height, nor can we add one hour to our life by worrying. So why should we waste our free time in worrying? There's only a few things that worrying can add to our lives. Worrying, it can add gray hair. Worrying can add baldness. Worrying can add stomach ulcers. And worrying can add wrinkles. And yet, I don't know how many people are asking, Lord, give me more gray hairs. Lord, give me another stomach, a stomach ulcer. 
Lord, if you just give me a few more wrinkles on my face. And yet we spend so much of our time worrying and being anxious. Verse 28 through 30, he says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. If God takes care of the look of the grass of the field, which is going to die shortly, how much more will he take care of our clothing when we are his sons and daughters, which will live for all of eternity? We spend money going out there and buying flowers, and yet he takes care of them. He takes care of nature. How much more will he take care of us? Solomon, with his great wealth, quickly grew bored of his great wealth. And when you get bored of your great wealth and you're not focused on the kingdom of God and furthering his kingdom, you do foolish things, like having a thousand wives. Foolish things, right? Foolish things. One thing Solomon started doing towards the end of his life was a part of his healthcare routine was getting finely ground gold and he would sprinkle gold on himself and on his linen clothing. And yet Jesus says, the lilies of the field are far more beautiful than Solomon and all of his glory. You see, worry and anxiety is rooted in having a little faith. Worry and anxiety is rooted in having a very small view of our all-powerful God. David and many of the great men in the Old Testament, no matter how large their problem was, always had a larger view of their God. That's why David at a young age could look at the giant and say, I don't care about you. All I care about is the God of the armies that you've defiled and that you've mocked. We need greater faith, worry, anxiety. It's all wrapped up in having little faith. Charles Spurgeon, he says, little faith is not a little fault, for it greatly wrongs the Lord and sadly grieves the fretful mind. To think the Lord who clothes the lilies will leave his own children naked is shameful. Oh, little faith, learn better manners. How dare we think so little of our great God that somehow he's going to fail us. He's been faithful the last 34 years, the last 40 years, the last 80 years of our life. And then all of a sudden, this situation is going to be the instance where he is not faithful to us. Trust in him. Verse 31 and 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We're called to go to work like the birds, go to work, feed the family, and trust that our heavenly Father knows the practical things in which we need. We need to pray to Him and cry out to Him and even bring our practical needs to Him. Somehow, within the past few decades, there's been this lie going on that if you pray personal prayers, somehow it's selfish and wrong. If it's the only prayers you pray, it's selfish and wrong. 
However, our Heavenly Father desires to know our needs. Just like any good father, he doesn't want his kids in their rooms crying and weeping, shaking over their fear and anxiety. Any earthly father wants to go to their kids and say, hey, what's wrong? What do you need? How can I help? Our Heavenly Father is the same way. Instead of holding on to our worry and anxious thoughts, He asks us to lay our burdens at His feet, knowing that He cares for us and knowing that He knows our needs. There are some of us that there's someone that we know and we know their needs, but if you're honest, you don't really care about them. So you don't do anything about it. There are other people that we love and we care about, but we simply don't know their needs, so we don't come in and help. But to the people that we know their needs and we love, how often do we come in there and help out with the great need? Jesus tells us that unbelievers are consumed with food, drink, and clothing because their treasure is only here on earth. So much of social media, so much of YouTube is fueled on food. So many reels, how to cook this, how to make that, what restaurant to go to. It's all about food. What kind of drinks, what wine pairs with this, what coffee goes with that. It's all about drink. It's all about clothing. What about these shoes? What about these Jordans that are going to drop this day? Did you get the app? Are you waiting for it? Are you anxious about it? What's going on? So much of this life is just about the here and now. And yet Jesus says, that's what unbelievers are consumed with. As believers, we are to pray, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. So the question for each and every one of us is, are we acting like unbelievers, consumed with food, drink, and clothing, or are we acting like kingdom-bound believers? What fuels our decision-making? Is our decision-making only based on earthly needs, and earthly wants? Or is our decision making based on our treasure and our heart being on heavenly things? And this affects every believer, no matter what state of life you're in. Whether you're that person that just got into the main sanctuary in sixth grade, whether you're that person graduating high school, graduating college, the newlyweds, the parents, the retiree, our focus is to be on eternal and heavenly treasures, not only for us, but for our children as well. That's why Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So often our decision-making is only based on food, drink, clothing, and earthly treasures. It's a big concern for many parents. We start parenting and we start forgetting that our sons and daughters are spiritual beings. And the way we live this earthly life is going to demand and dictate how we spend the rest of eternity. We need to prioritize the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus tells us in verse 33... To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the food, the clothing, the drink, shall be added to you. That word seek, 
is to attempt to learn something by careful investigation and searching. Seeking in this present context speaks of a single-minded focus. It speaks of intensity, perseverance, and zeal. All the other desires in life, they pale in comparison to our singular focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lloyd Pulley at last year's couples retreat. Here's a free plug. Go to the couples retreat if you're married. Lloyd Pulley said, take care of God's business and he will take care of your business. Be consumed. Allow God's business to be your singular focus in middle school, in high school, in college, in a new marriage, in a new family, in your retirement. And God will take care of your business. And throughout Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is not giving us the way to be saved. Jesus is saying these are the characteristics of sons and daughters who are already saved. And the characteristics of kingdom-bound sons and daughters is to prioritize the kingdom of God and His righteousness above everything else. And then everything else that is needful will fall into place. Everything that's needful, God's going to provide for us and God's going to care for us. We can get wrapped up in saying, okay, what's the proper order? Is it family, then God, then church, then my community? Or is it God and family? Like, what's the ladder here? David Guzik says, we rarely have to choose between honoring God and loving our spouses or being good workers. The way we honor God and seek first the kingdom of God is by being a good spouse and by being a good worker. This is the blessing of having the singular focus and being concerned with what our Father sees in secret. We don't have to be worried about all these extra things. We can just be consumed with, Lord, I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Both covetousness and self-reliance are sinful and terrible masters. If your whole life is about the kingdom of this world, then you're going to be more prone to acting like an animal and only chasing physical needs and physical wants. Sadly, within the church, the last few years, people are just consumed with what they feel that they need and what they feel that they want and desire. And we can begin to consume one another. We become Christian cannibals. And we start eating one another because this is my want, this is my desire, this is my comfort zone. We are not to serve the God of worry, we are to serve the God Almighty. The reminder, we are spiritual beings and we spend such a short season in this earthly realm. But how we spend this season is going to determine how we spend the rest of our spiritual eternity. And the same goes with our sons and daughters, parents. Be more concerned with the spiritual state of your sons and daughters than their clothing and their food and their drink. All these things will be added. Where is all of our faith and reliance? Is it in the problem? Is it in ourselves? Or is it in our perfect heavenly Father? We can think of Peter as he's walking on water. Peter first starts walking on water and he's relaxing. He's doing the moonwalk, he's hanging out, he's watching Jesus on the other side. 
But what happens to Peter? He starts looking at the waves. He starts paying attention to the howling of the wind. His focus gets off of Jesus, kingdom of God, and his righteousness. And now his focus is on the problems going on. And what happens to Pete? He begins to sink right away. Jesus, he answers the prayer real quick. Lord, save me. Short prayers are the right prayers, right? Peter just says, Lord, save me. Jesus goes and he grabs him right away. Our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ, his kingdom, his faithfulness, his goodness. And I love that Jesus always leads by example. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says to his disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Peter, he wasn't like many of us saying, man, where are we going to go eat after service? There's nothing sinful of that or wrong with that. Jesus' focus was on, Lord, what's your will right now? Hey, God, how, how can I serve you right now? What would you have me to do right now, knowing that he would take care of the food later on? In John chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to us. So instead of just telling us to not worry, Jesus tells us focus and seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Instead of setting our minds on our problems or perceived problems, Jesus tells us to set our mind and focus on things above. Whether we're the middle schooler, the high schooler, the person in college, the newlywed, the parent, or the retiree. Choose your master and follow him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Set your treasures in heaven. We're raw, we're Moth and rust cannot destroy or harm them. He says, instead of worrying about these physical needs, worry about our spiritual needs. G. Campbell Morgan, he says, Lord, for tomorrow and its needs, I do not pray. Keep me, O Lord, from the stain of sin just for today. What we truly need to do each morning is instead of being so focused on, how do I look in the mirror? Does my hair look good? Is my beard symmetrical? Did I wear this last week? Instead of being so focused on this, what we should be focused on is, Lord, strengthen me to not fall into sin today. Lord, strengthen me to be the husband that you've called me to be. Lord, strengthen me to be the father that you've called me to be today. It's in the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from the wicked one. Lead us not into temptation. And yet our carnal mind takes over and we're just consumed with toys and entertainment and food and clothing. Finally, verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Have you ever found yourself so consumed with worry that you're stressed out, you're anxious, you're freaking out, and then the situation never happens? You spend so much of your time worrying, what if this happens? Oh my goodness, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And then it never happens. Anybody been there, done that, got the t shirt? How wise do you feel afterwards? 
You feel like a fool afterwards. I looked like a fool last night, right? That's what you're telling yourself. Jesus is saying the very same thing. Don't worry about tomorrow and all the what ifs, what the might happens, what if this situation happens or that situation happens. Jesus says, if you want to worry, hey, be concerned about today because sufficient for the day is its own problems. Knowing that all these things will be added to us, do not spend time worrying about the what ifs or probabilities in life. There will be even more what-ifs tomorrow that we don't even know exist today. We've all been there. In 2019, who was talking about COVID, right? Or monkeypox or all these crazy things happening all the time. Don't spend your time worrying about tomorrow. Instead of worrying about tomorrow and the future, be concerned about the kingdom of God today. Ask yourself today, how can I be about my father's business David Brown, he says, every day brings its own cares, and to anticipate is only to double them. Don't allow the what-ifs and the worries of tomorrow to rob and steal the joy of today. Enjoy today. Enjoy your life. Sadly, many believers, there's no joy in them. You almost poke them with the stick, right? Are you okay? Are you alive? Are you happy to be saved? I love Bill Gallatin. When you get older, you could get away with a lot more things. But Bill Gallatin, he'll look at a believer and they're looking all sad and depressed. He goes, hey, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. He'll he'll go, tell your face that. (laughs) Because we should have the joy of the Lord flowing out of us. No matter what's happening. That's what you can get away with when you're 70, 80 years old, right? We should have the joy of the Lord within us. No matter what's going on, the highs and the lows of life, we should have the joy of life. David Guzik, he says, God wants us to remember the past and to plan for the future. But God desires that we live in the present. That's the balance of reading through the whole Bible. It's not that Jesus is saying, run up your credit cards, do whatever you want, don't worry, quit your job. No, he's just telling us, don't be anxious and worried about tomorrow. Charles Spurgeon says, let us spend life on the one thing, and it will be well spent. As for the 20 secondary objects, they also will be ours if we pursue the one thing only. Oh Lord, enable me to be a non-anxious one. May I be so eager after heavenly things that I altogether Leave my earthly cares with thee. That's the joy and blessings of the bitter seasons of death. It sort of reminds you of the important things in life. It reminds us of the kingdom of heaven and how we are investing our talents in this life. Is all of your time being invested in entertainment and food and drink and clothing? Or is your time being invested in the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Because then what Jesus tells us is we're going to be able to taste of both. We're going to taste of the goodness of God. And we're going to get to enjoy the blessings of this life. Life is sweet. Life is a blessing. And that's what God desires for his sons and daughters. He's not going to give us all of our wants. But he promises to give us all of our needs. So worship team if you come up. And let's go ahead and pray. And then we'll close in worship. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are that perfect Father, Lord. 
And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, this afternoon, and perhaps they had a terrible father, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them this morning, Lord. That you are the perfect, loving father. Lord, thank you that you care for us, Lord. Thank you that you know our needs before we ask you of them. And Lord, we do pray, help us to not allow the enemy to condemn us, Lord. If we've struggled, Lord, if we've, if we've been owned by our worry and anxiety over the past three years, Lord. Lord, perhaps we became a new person during 2020 and anxiety and fear and worry became our God and our comfort zone. Lord, I pray that we would just confess that sin to you, Lord. Help us to not be condemned by the enemy, Lord, and help us to not just sit in our sin, Lord. Help us to not serve the God of money or the God of worry. Help us to serve you, the one true God, who promises that the righteous will never be forsaken, that her sons and daughters will not be found begging for bread. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us, and Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's all stand and we'll close. If you need prayer, there's pastors up front. Perhaps you're anxious. Are you going to spend eternity in heaven or are you going to spend eternity in hell? Maybe that brings fear into your heart. I encourage you, come up front and pray with one of the pastors.